What's good, y'all? We are back with another edition of the DNVR Rams podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Hope everybody enjoyed their long weekend. Again, thank you to everybody that serves this country. Today, we are going to give an update on David Roddy. Going to talk a little bit about what I see his role at the next level being. And then just, if he does come back, where I think he needs to kind of refine his game. I, I think Roddy is a pro player at this point. But there's always room for you know improvement and refinement, and he would tell you that himself. I'm also going to just go into the tiers of quarterback in the Mountain West for 2022, kind of do some power rankings, if you will. Before we get into all of that, the NBA playoff action is nonstop at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can bet just $5 on any team to win. Get 150 in free bets if they do. If you are looking to turn a small bet into a big payday, which I know I always am, do it during the NBA playoffs with DraftKings, the, uh, the same game parlay. You can create your own parlay by combining multiple bets, like which team is going to win, total threes made, total rebounds, assists, boom, whatever you want, you have a shot at an even bigger payout. And right now, all customers can place a same-game parlay with three or more legs, and you can get a free bet back up to $25 if one leg doesn't hit. Let's say you place a four-legger, you go three for four, you're going to get your money back up to $25. Love that. Love the shot at redemption that DK is always giving out. What you are going to want to do is download that DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code DNVR so they know we sent you. Bet $5 on any NBA team to win their game. Get $150 in free bets if they do. That promo code DNVR only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. Colorado only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit. Restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. Cool, cool, cool. Hope everybody has been enjoying their weekend had a headache for like three days, but we're going to power through it. I, I do love Memorial Day weekend, though. I think it's a really cool tradition. I mean, to honor, obviously, those that, that serve this country, but it's always been a good vibes weekend for me. I talked about that a little bit on Sunday, I believe it was, just kind of about how it's it's almost like 4th of July Eve to me, just, you know, Americana vibes, baseball, grilling, hot dogs, you know, all, all that stuff. Not always in Colorado because it tends to be kind of a rainy weekend, but it, it was a great one this weekend. I, I really enjoyed it. Just kind of sitting in my backyard, grilling up some brats with my girlfriend, you know, petting up my dog. It's what it's all about, y'all. But uh, like I said, today we are going to be talking about David Roddy. He has a last minute workout uh, with Toronto. So my guy has been all over the place, has now worked out for Indiana, Houston, uh, Denver, Orlando, and on the 31st is working out for the Raptors. That is today, uh, depending on when you're listening to this episode. It might be yesterday or today. But uh, yeah, it, it really seems like the the interest for David Roddy is legitimate at the NBA level. He's kind of one of those fringe guys. He's in a list of about, I would say, like six to ten players that are kind of, you know, they could benefit, I think, from coming back from another year of college basketball. But the you know, the argument is obviously how much can they really improve their stock? And, you know, I think a guy's like Drew Timmy from Gonzaga on this list. You know, can Drew Timmy really do more than what he's done? He's pretty much proven that he's mastered the game at the collegiate level. And that's kind of the argument that Harrison Wind of DNVR Nuggets made 
about David Roddy. You know, he's like, can he really show that much more? And to be honest, you know, I, I, I get where Harrison is coming from. I, I tend to kind of lean towards him. Um, I will say, if he comes back to CSU, I think the, the things that he would work on would be ball handling. I mean, you see him facilitate and, and run the show at times, you know, sometimes even, you know, being like a point forward, you know, for the Rams guard wing, whatever he is. I mean, he's positionless at this point, but you see him running the offense at time and, and he's a great passer. He's not like an all world elite ball handler. And I, you know, I think we saw Michigan take advantage of that in the NCAA tournament. If we're being completely honest, he's going to have to be able to be a little bit stronger at, at the next level. If he's going to be able to create his own shot, I would think. I think, you know, he would try and improve upon his post-defense a little bit more, just become a little bit more dominant down low so that he can hang with some of the the bigger guys because, obviously, if he is playing power forward at the next level, he's going to be significantly undersized at, you know, 6'5", 6'6". And then just continuing to improve upon his shooting, you know, going 44% from three-point line. If he did that again, you know, I think he's probably a a late first-round pick. I think he could improve his free throw shooting a little bit. We saw his numbers dip there last year. But like I said, I mean, it would really just be about refining a couple of small things because at this point, I I do believe David can carve out a role in the NBA. I will say, I I think just because he's kind of a tweener, you know, I, I think he would have the most success if he could just have a defined role. Like if he really can shoot north of 40% from three-point range. I know the NBA three is further back than the college three. I mean, I think he could be a wing, a three and D guy. I know six, five, six, six. That's going to be hard because you're going to occasionally be going up against guys that are six, eight, six, nine, but that's no different in the post. And I mean, if he can shoot that, it's, it's going to open up driving lanes for him because like I said, he's not like an elite ball handler, he can dribble. You know, I'm not saying he can't dribble or anything like that. It's just, you know, he's not Kyrie Irving out there. And granted, very few people are. But I mean, he's phenomenal on a, on a straight line drive. He really shows his explosiveness. And if you leave him a gap, you know, he can really get to the rim. He's not a guy that's going to like dunk from the free throw line, but he's got explosiveness. He's got nice ups. Obviously, he's really strong, so he's going to be able to finish through contact. But if he's hitting those threes, It's just going to open up space for him. You know, it's going to make a shot easier. It's going to make driving lanes easier. It's going to make everything easier for him. And I do think that's probably the most ideal role for him rather than being, you know, like a small power forward. People kind of try and compare him to like Draymond Green, who plays power forward. But I think he's more like a PJ Tucker on Houston in his prime. But it's going to be interesting. I'm going to be really interested to see if he comes back or not. I would say when this whole process began, I felt really good about his chances of coming back. As it went on, I started to flip the other way, and then I just kind of assumed he would be gone. Now I'm somewhere in the middle. I I would say I think him going in the first round in what is a really deep class is a bit of a long shot. But when you look at some of these teams that have worked him out, a lot of them had picks in the first five in the second round, and you're going to get guaranteed money there. You know, Orlando worked him out. They obviously have the first pick. He's not going to go number one, but they have number 32. They have number 35. He worked out for Indiana, who has six, but they also have 31 and 58. Potentially, you have some trade room there with multiple assets. Houston has three and 17. Would probably have to trade back. 17 is a little rich. Same thing with Denver at 21. But Toronto, who he's working out with today, they have the 33rd pick. I mean, all of those are 
really reasonable landing spots, I think, for Roddy. It's it's going to be interesting. And at some point, I mean, if it's going to be a gamble, he'll probably just have to decide if it's worth the risk or if he just wants to come back for one more year and kind of try and solidify his, his status. As I've said for weeks, though, you know, no matter what happens, it's it's going to be really cool for David Roddy, and it's good for the program, and I think they've handled it really well. I mean, the coaches have been very open when it comes to if he's going to get guaranteed money, David has to go. Like He's got to go and, and do what's best for him. They understand that. They've said that privately. They've said that publicly. They get it. Like The, the coaches get it. I, I also think they've handled it well with the with the social media stuff. I mean, we've seen a ton of tweets from the CSU men's basketball account, you know, informing Ram fans what's happening with Roddy, just clearly showing him love and support. And that's going to be big, man. That's going to be big for, you know, if you're recruiting and you want to know, is this going to be a type of program that supports not only, you know, what's best for the program, but what's best for me as an individual. And I think CSU is doing a really good job of showing, yes, obviously, you know, they want Roddy to be Ram. It's, it's going to make their chances of going on a deep run so much more likely. But ultimately, they just love David as an individual and they want him to get this opportunity, whether it's this year or next year. And, you know, ultimately having CSU be viewed as a program that can develop talent and ultimately send them to the NBA, that's good because it's historically that just has not been the case. I mean, Jason Smith is a significant outlier in the history of, of CSU hoops. I mean, they've sent guys to the NBA, but it's like three or four guys that have really had a substantial career beyond, you know, three years. And most of them were years and years ago. How cool would it be to be watching, you know, an, an NBA playoff game and see David Roddy step up and get a steal or, you know, hit some threes, like watching, you know, Derek White for for Boston's been and <laughs> just a random note. I struggle with D White because I, I saw him when he played at UCCS. Uh, against CSU, and I, I liked his game back then, met him, thought he was a cool dude. Tough to root for him as a buff, but he's a good guy and a, a fun story. Anyways, like I said, it's just going to be good for the brand of CSU basketball. Obviously, reaching the, the NCAA tournament is a big part of that. Winning the league is a big part of that, but sending guys to the NBA, that's a big part of it too, because that factors into recruiting, and you see that with San Diego State. Yeah, guys are, are picking San Diego State because they're going to have a, a really good shot to, to play in relevant games, to be on national TV, to go to the tournament, all of that stuff. But also they know that they have an opportunity to go to the league. It's just one of those situations where CSU fans kind of have to view it through a, view it through a, a long-term scope and, and not just short-term. And obviously, if David goes pro, it's going to significantly like change what I view CSU's ceiling to be. But I still think they're going to be really competitive. I still think they're going to have a chance to make the tournament. I don't think they are going to win the league just based on the, the talent that San Diego State has been able to add. I mean, they're looking absurd. Wyoming looks really good too, especially now that Maldonado is coming back. But I mean, you've got Isaiah Stevens. I really like Josiah Strong, who they were able to add. You know, I really like Jalen Lake and, and Tanjay and all these guys that they have. Rivera's come on strong at various points. Like that's going to be a team that's capable of winning, you know, 20, 20 plus games, making some noise. It's just you view it as, you know, probably like a fringe tournament team, you know, maybe last four in or a play-in game versus, you know, if Roddy comes back, the hope is maybe more like, you know, five seed, you know, make the Sweet 16, do something really crazy. But ultimately, this program's in a good spot either way. Again, you know, would it selfishly, I want to see Roddy come back, but if he does move on, you know, it gives a guy like Isaiah a chance to kind of increase his role and increase his pro profile even further. 
you know, it gives, you know, that could be huge for Jalen Lake down the line. You know, he gets more touches. He gets to play a bigger role in the offense than, you know, two years from now when you don't have Isaiah because Lake got to have a bigger role this year. You see the benefit down the line. I mean, there's just a lot of things you have to consider. Obviously, they brought in Cartier. They have a nice option at power forward. My point here is just that the sky won't be falling. You know, it doesn't completely kill CSU's chances of, of being competitive or, or relevant or, or anything like that. And I haven't seen a ton of, like, doomsday posts yet. I guess we'll see what happens if Roddy decides to ultimately stay in the draft. But, you know, show some faith in this staff a little bit. At, at this point, they, they should have earned your trust, in my opinion. I mean, Medved and, and Ali and these guys, they've only exceeded expectations. You know what I mean? It's its not a Bobo scenario where he came in and, and underperformed and then underperformed for a couple more years and then really tanked. I mean, so far, it's just kind of been Medved coming in and, and outperforming everybody's national expectations and improving the team every single year. And is it going to be hard to improve if you lose Rowdy? Yes, you know, you're, you're not going to be quite as good of a team but I still trust this staff and I still trust this roster to be relevant. That's my point. Uh, we'll see what happens. Again, I'm rooting for David no matter what. Selfishly, would love to see him come back, but if he does go pro, uh, there won't be anyone more stoked for him than me. Maybe Darcy Roddy. Better, better show some respect to Mama Roddy. She'll be more stoked than me, but uh, very few people. We'll, we'll put it that way. So we'll see what happens. You know, it's going to be interesting. It's an exciting time to be a CSU fan, though, between, I mean, Trey McBride and, and Roddy and obviously the, the future of the men's basketball program. Women's basketball is looking great, too. Ryan Williams really adding a lot of talent this offseason. You know, things are shaping up with football. You've got the women's athletic facility coming sometime in the near future. I mean, hopefully, uh, hopefully the next decade is going to kind of really be a significant one in CSU Ram history. But I want to move on here. I want to talk about the quarterbacks in the Mountain West. Before I do, got to shout out Sexy Pizza. What is Sexy Pizza, you ask? Well, with 13 years in the Denver community, Sexy Pizza, they're as local as it gets. A hand-tossed deck oven pizza with made-from-scratch each morning dough. Choose your own adventure with their wide range of toppings. Try one of their signature philanthropies, where a portion of every sale of these five specialty pies is donated to a range of different nonprofits right here in Colorado. Gotta love that. If you're looking to have sexy pizza, support your organization or event, go to www.sexy.pizza. Check out the about page for the donations link. See how they can support your cause. If you just want some snacks, they've got a 12-inch, a 16-inch, and 18-inch crust. They, you can get all the fixins, whether it's wings, salads, pastas, knots, dessert options, and more. I love their garlic knots. Probably the best in town for my money. Don't forget their vegan options. They have a delicious 12-inch gluten-free crust. No matter what it is, stop by any of their four Denver locations in Capitol Hill, Old South Pearl, Jefferson Park, or Park Hill. And if you're out in Trinidad, they just opened a fifth location out there. All right, all right, all right. We are within 100 days of the 2022 football season, so I figured it's a good time to start getting an idea of what the rest of the teams around the conference are working with. Today, we're going to talk about the quarterbacks, just kind of go through the different tiers. Um, I did do a 1 through 12 ranking, but... It's preseason, so I, I think it makes more sense to do those throughout the year and kind of update it than it does preseason just because you don't know at a couple of schools who is actually going to be the starter. But anyways, we'll talk about all of it. Like I said, this is imperfect. Um, you know, if you want to flip flip a guy here or there, I get it. 
It is opinion-based after all, but I will say I don't think anybody can argue that going into the season, the best quarterback in the Mountain West is Jake Hayner of Fresno State. Hayner made me stoked because going into last year, I argued that, you know, I, I had Carson Strong as the QB one and it ended up Hayner ended up being the best QB in the league last year. But I had Hayner as two. And most people had Hank Bachmeyer. You know, Hayner was third, sometimes fourth, fifth, depending on people's uh, view of him. But just watching the way he played against CSU in that 2020 game, seeing his ability to improvise, the athleticism, the arm strength, the ability to throw on the run, all of that, you know, I really fell in love with his game. And then last year, he just had a phenomenal year. I mean, 13 games, completed 67% of his 490 pass attempts. 4,096 passing yards, 8.4 uh, yards per attempt, uh, 33 touchdowns, 9 interceptions, QBR of 155.9. This dude's just a winner. I mean, he's a really exciting college football player. Battles. I mean, that Fresno State-UCLA game last year was one of the more exciting games that I've watched in the last decade, honestly. I mean, that, that game was awesome. But, I mean, even beyond the UCLA game, Fresno State was just a fun team in general. Uh, this year, coming back, you know, you still have a ton of talent at wideout with Jalen Cropper. They added some talent through the transfer portal as well. You do lose Ronnie Rivers, great running back. But, I mean, there's a reason that they went into Oregon last year and only lost by a touchdown. You know, there's a, <laughs> there's a reason they were able to win in Wyoming 17-0. to This is a damn good team, and Jake Hayner is the is the leader of it. You know, I, he's definitely, this is definitely the team that preseason I would put money on to win the conference. Now, behind Hayner, I think there's kind of like a second tier of quarterbacks. And I should add, since this is a CSU podcast, I am really, really high on Clay Millen. I think when I do this again, midway through the season, there's a good chance that, you know, if he's not at the top of the list, Clay Millen's like two or three. He's never played a game for the Rams, though. And there's a lot of good quarterbacks that I want to show respect to. And because of that, just keep that in mind, CSU fans. It's not that I'm down on Millen. It's not that I don't think he's going to be awesome because I do. It's that I believe in, you know, production and what we've seen. And I want to give some of these guys the respect that they deserve. Anyways, uh, number two, I have Logan Bonner slash Levi Williams of Utah State. Now, if you're not familiar with what happened, Levi Williams transferred from Wyoming to Utah State while Andrew Peasley transferred from Utah State to Wyoming. So we had a nice little QB swap. Bonner, who came over from Arkansas State with Blake Anderson, a really big arm, but he throws a lot of fuck it balls. I mean, his <laughs> he's willing to take some risks, we'll say that. And it put them in a, in a bad spot at times last year. And because of that, we actually saw him get benched a couple of different times. Part of that was injuries as well. It wouldn't shock me if Levi Williams ends up taking over. I mean, Williams against CSU is like a different player, but he's a big, strong dude. He runs well, uh, can throw a nice ball. I think Williams is a pretty good quarterback. It'll be interesting to see what happens there. You know, does Anderson stick with his guy or does he go with the transfer? It'll, it'll definitely be interesting. Utah State in general is just a, they're going to be a weird team to watch. I mean, you lose Devin Tompkins and Savon Scarver and I think they're top four receivers, but then they added and an Alabama transfer, and a couple other P5 guys at Whiteout. So they're they're really intriguing. Just below them, uh, this one I really struggled with. I think you got to go Hank Bachmeyer of Boise State, who, 
a couple of years ago, I would have argued is overrated. Now I'd say we've kind of flipped the other way and he's a little bit underrated. He's just a good passing quarterback. Obviously really experienced anytime you're a, you know, three, four year starter, you're going to have an upper hand. How does this offense move forward without Khalil Shakir though? I'm very interested to see, you know, how they make up for that production because he was a big part of that offense stretching the field. He was a big red zone target. It's a big year for Boise State and Hank uh, Bachmeyer in general. I think, you know, they kind of got some slack last year, just, you know, first year coach and all. But this year, I do, I really do think the pressure is going to be on for Boise to be, you know, back into the the driver's seat, back be the competitive team that they've been known to be over the last decade. I just, I don't think the the talent gap is there like it used to be, though. I really don't. At four, I'm going Chevin Cordero, San Jose State. Really athletic guy, can run around, great at improvising, kind of like Hayner. I wouldn't say he has the arm strength that Hayner does, doesn't throw quite as pretty of a football, but he does throw a nice ball, and he's a good leader, and he had quite a bit of success at Hawaii. I mean, he played in 34 games over the last four years, so just a a ton of experience, a three-year starter for the Warriors, a huge loss for that program. I feel bad for Timmy Chang. If they could have kept Cordero, that would have been huge for them. I was got to limit the turnovers, uh, 17 over the last two seasons, 17 interceptions. Definitely got to bring those down. But uh, I do think he's a guy that, with the right pieces, can be interesting. And that San Jose State offense, deceptively, I mean, they added a couple of, of Nevada receivers as well, Justin Lockhart, and uh, I'm trying to blank on the other name. But I like Cordero's game. Again, I think Clay Millen probably surpasses him at some point. And I think he surpasses this next QB as well. At number five, I have got Hazik Daniels of Air Force. This one is tricky because Air Force is offense, but low-key, Hazik throws a nice ball. He's a great athlete, and he's great at running that offense. And being a quarterback, you know, as, as much as we all love to clown Adazio, the one thing he said about a quarterback where it isn't all about throwing the football, he is right there. Now, I will say... um, when you say that and your quarterback really struggles to throw the football, it makes you roll your eyes. But now that the Rams have a quarterback that can throw the football, you know, consistently and accurately at all levels, I, I feel a little bit better about, you know, using that and talking about the leadership components and, you know, the other things that go into making a, a talented quarterback or a successful quarterback. At six, I have Clay Millen. Um, I just think when you look at his arm talent, when you look at, his receivers, I, I just think he's going to kill it. And he's in a, an offense that inherently is is going to make it easy to, to pass the ball down the field. I will say uh, Harrison Bailey, former four-star quarterback that transferred over from Tennessee to UNLV, really great athlete, big arm. I'm not sure he's going to start, though. He's not, I mean, he didn't transfer there until like late March, so he wasn't there for spring ball. You know, Doug Brumfield or Cameron Friel, the, uh, the freshman that actually really got the passing offense going pretty well for UNLV. Their defense couldn't stop anyone last year, but they scored some points. It'll be interesting to see what happens there, but I have them at seven, whether it's Harrison Bailey or Cameron Friel or Doug Brumfield, who we've seen at various points too. At eight, I have Andrew Peasley of Wyoming, a guy who I do like, uh, brings some dual threat ability to the game as well. I wouldn't say his arm is quite as impressive as some of the other guys, but he can throw a nice deep ball. That was obviously a big part of the the Utah State offense. Really interesting year for Wyoming. I mean, they lost just about as much production. I mean, it was Hawaii, Nevada, and Wyoming lost more offensive production from last season's teams than any in the country. 
So they're they're kind of like Nevada where it's in a wait and see mode. You know, no longer have Xavier Valade in the backfield. They no longer have uh, Isaiah Nayor at wide receiver. I mean, they lost a lot of talent. We'll see what happens. At nine, I had Braxton Burmeister, the uh, Virginia Tech transfer over at San Diego State. I assume he's going to be the starter. We shall see. If not, he's kind of battling with a couple of freshmen. San Diego State, historically, you know, not a great passing offense, but we'll see. At a 10, I have the combo of Shane Illingworth, Oklahoma State transfer, former four-star guy as well, and uh, Nate Cox, who played behind Carson Strong a little bit last year. I I, I got to imagine it's going to be Illingworth, the former Oklahoma State kid. Cox can sling it a little bit, but I don't know. At 11, I got Braden Schrager, uh, Hawaii. And then 12, we've got CJ Montez at New Mexico. And the reason I'm not going over Schrager is I just, I don't know anything about this Hawaii offense, just being fair. But that New Mexico offense last year was as bad as anything I've ever seen. CJ Montez, true freshman, did do some nice things after kind of getting humbled by CSU. If you remember, he was the one that came out talking, you know, big trash and then kind of got embarrassed in that CSU game. But yeah, I think there's, you know, different tiers. I would say, like, when you look at the offenses that you like, I would put, you know, Fresno State, Boise State, Utah State, CSU in one. And then it's kind of like San Jose State Air Force, which I think have the potential to be really good. Air Force is just wonky. It's kind of its own deal. Then, you know, like UNLV, Wyoming, San Diego State. And then below them, you know, you have Hawaii, UNM, and I would probably say Nevada just based on all the pieces that they lost. But like I said, it's preseason. You know, we'll go more in depth with this throughout the year when we have actual production to look at and and results. It's a year-to-year game. Things change very dramatically from one season to the next. But I just thought it'd be fun to kind of get an idea of you know, what the offenses are going to look like around the conference going into the 2022 season. You know, who are the teams that Ram fans should fear? Who are the teams where if they're on TV, you're going to want to watch? You know, the last couple of years, I talked about how much how much fun Nevada was. And that's why I'm really excited to have them in town. But this year, you know, I'm excited to watch Fresno State. I think they're going to be a lot of fun. I think Utah State's going to be fun. I think San Jose State's going to be fun. I always enjoy watching Air Force. I know Ram fans don't like them. I don't really have a lot of I've been a Ram guy, you know, my whole life, but I've always, I'm not really bitter towards Air Force. It's weird. Even like that dirt, that the day of the game, obviously it's one thing, but I don't know. I just, I've I've never really viewed them the same way I view Wyoming or or CU and people are different about that. But yeah, those are, I think going to be the most fun teams. I'm interested to see what happens with San Diego state, obviously Hawaii with Timmy Chang will be a a weird situation. Fresno is definitely the, the heavy front runner, but Kind of feels like the league's wide open. So I can't wait for football to be here. I know you guys can't either. Uh, We'll see what happens with David Roddy. I think it'll be a little bit relieving to just be through this process and know, you know, is he going to be back or not and what the team's going to look like and all that. And we can all kind of wrap our heads around it. But again, you know, Ram fans should be stoked for this guy no matter what because he has just been a tremendous representative of this program and, you know, should go down as one of the best to, to ever do it in Moby. All right, that's all I have for today. Make sure you keep up with all our content throughout the week. Thank you to everyone that continues to support me in DNVR. You make my dreams come true. Much love, y'all. Enjoy the sunshine. Peace.
tough khakis wearing graphic tees feeling way too trendy raps that kill oh i'm deadly primed and ready like machetes at a deli in new delhi feeling scummy like martin scarelli turn jam into jelly then drink it like juice the water's the truth so i sip on that too skinny looking kid with no car keys like the only thing i drive is rcrv's got the stash like steve harvey oh i'm gnarly like non-from